time I come here, I just think God is doing some great things here. I hope you realize that you're part of something that's special. If I lived anywhere near here, I would come here. If I were 20, 30 miles away, I would go here. I love your pastor. I love Mrs. Fogg. The music here, I'm excited about that new CD, Mrs. Fogg. I already told preacher, we will carry that in our bookstore. And I'm going to show that to other churches that says it can still be done today. You can still have a choir. You can still have an orchestra. And uh, that was just great hearing it with one song tonight. That was a blessing. For those of you who are working in the music ministry, keep it up. It's worth it. It's encouraging. And it's dying out in America. It's dying out. It shouldn't. The Bible talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I believe God uses that. And it's a great first impression on visitors to the house of God. And I believe God speaks. Just need the last song. That got me ready for preaching. That helped me. And uh, he's alive. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. And uh, got to walk through the new building today. I could not believe how fast that's gone up since I was here last. When we were taking an offering for it and praying about it and seeing it. Boy, I'll tell you what, you're going to be in there probably in two more months or less. That's wonderful. Drywall's up. Some rooms are already painted. It's going to be a great tool for the cause of Christ. I was thinking, Brother Fong, as I was praying for you yesterday, I wonder how many independent Baptist churches in Northern California have had multi-million building programs in the last 20 years. I can think of two. That's it. There may be another one, but I don't know what it is. So, praise God, you're part of something that's going forward. Now, I know that cost you something. But the Bible says, that which cost me nothing, I would not have. That's a Bible precept. And you want to get involved, you want to be behind it. You want to sacrifice, you want to give while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. And that literally is laying up yourselves treasures in heaven. I believe many people will be saved because of that building. Access to the nurseries over to this building. A place for the choir to practice. There's so many good things there. The offices, the many great, wonderfully sized classrooms. It's exciting. I looked through all of it tonight with Brother Fong. I'm excited. I think it's the next step for the Heritage Baptist Church. And I just encourage you to keep praying for it, keep giving to it. Someday you'll look back, you'll say, I'm glad I did. And uh, we've been part of a lot of building programs in Lancaster. When I moved there, we were just praying about the main auditorium. And we got involved, and uh, I have never been sorry. I think the people that have been saved there because of that building, that's a good thing. And you want to keep going forward for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. you take your Bibles tonight. Turn with me, please. We'll stay ahead to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. As I was praying about this particular service, I, would, I felt compelled to turn to this passage in Hebrews and to look at the model of Moses. Because Moses was someone who went forward by faith. And I believe that what God wants you to do is to follow the faith of your pastor. It says about the Apostle Paul, whose faith follow. Uh, but certainly your pastor is a man who stepped forward by faith. Uh, it's hard to believe what has happened here in 20 years, the great things that have happened. But I believe God has some things to talk about this in this message tonight, the model most. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse number 23, the Word of God says this. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By the way, I preached this morning on five bad mothers and five good mothers. And Jochebed was a good mother. She honored God, not man. 
Man said, turn your son in and we'll kill him. She honored God. She was a lady of faith. Could you imagine putting your son in an ark made of bulrushes and putting him in the Nile River, which is teeming with crocodiles? But she knew God would provide. Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respected to the recompense of the reward. By faith he he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, I love this phrase, as seeing him who is invisible. God is a spirit. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. But he knew he was there. He saw him who is invisible. Moving on, verse 28. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest that he lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assayed to do were drowned. Moses was one of the greatest men of the Old Testament. A few years ago I wrote a series of thirteen Sunday school lessons on Moses. Uh, God just used him. He was an amazing man. Why was this? Well, we know he wrote the Ten Commandments, uh, brought them down, wrote them, and God wrote them, but we know that he wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But I'll tell you what, the reason I believe he was a great man, he answers some questions. Who am I? By the way, we're a sinner saved by grace tonight. If you're not a sinner saved by grace, then I hope tonight will be the night when you accept Christ as your Savior. The greatest decision you could ever make. He also answered the question of what are my choices? There was a refusing and a choosing. That's life. That's life. He also answered the question about what was really important. What was really important. And finally, he answered the question of what are my goals. And tonight as we look at his life the next few minutes, it is my prayer that we'll learn some from this great man. A man who turned down what this world had to offer and invested his life in that which is eternal. Let's pray this evening. Lord, I ask for your help again. I have prayed. I know Brother Fogg has prayed. I know my wife's prayed for me. I know I've got a widow lady who's praying right now during this service that God will work. I thank you for those who pray. But Lord, I come to you tonight and I know that I need your help. I know that these truths are powerful and I pray that people will not just be hearers of your word, but they will be doers as well. I pray that we will learn from Moses that in many ways we'll seek to be like him. A man who did a great work for you. Lord, I thank you for many friends seeing them here tonight. Graduates, friends I've met over the last two decades. I pray you'll bless them. I pray you'll bless them spiritually, physically, financially. And I pray, Lord, that you will help them to help the cause of Christ to go forward. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Moses understood that there were some right things that he needed to aim his life at. I'm afraid that many times in life people do not know what they should be aiming at. In the 2004 Olympics, a very unique thing happened. It dealt with an American. His name was Matt Emmons. I believe we have a picture of him tonight. Matt Emmons was an unbelievably accurate rifle shooter. In fact, he was the best shooter America had ever produced in the 50-meter three-position rifle shooting. 
The three-position shooting is where you would lay on the ground and shoot, you would sit up and shoot, and you would stand up and shoot. He was the heavy favorite to win the gold medal of the Olympics. And exactly what people thought would happen was happening. He took his shots, and he was way out in front. And he came down to his final shot, the last shot he was going to take. He didn't need to hit a bullseye. He didn't need to hit a nine. He didn't even need to hit an eight. If he'd gotten a five, he had the gold medal. It was done. He had it. He sided up. This is Matt right here. He carefully aimed. He fired. He didn't get a five. He didn't get a six. He didn't get a seven. He got an 8.1. Easily enough to win the gold medal. Except for one little problem. He fired at the wrong target. He was in lane two. He shot the target in lane three. What did he get for hitting the wrong target? He got zero. Not only did he not win the gold medal, he didn't win the silver medal. He didn't win the bronze medal. He shot at the wrong target. Can I challenge you tonight as we begin this message to make sure your eyes are on the right target? You say, Dr. R, what's my target? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Are you looking to Him? Are you seeking to serve Him? Are you seeking to please Him? Many people invest their life aiming at the wrong goal. Some it's fame. Some it's fortune. Some it's pleasure. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Are we going to live to the praise of His glory? Tonight, number one, let me challenge you to be who God wants you to be. To be who God wants you to be. Who does God want you to be, my friend? What does God want you to do? You see, tonight I want to tell you that God made you with a purpose in mind. He said... Before you were ever born, I knew you. We were created with a purpose. I felt before Pastor Fong was the pastor here that God made it for the purpose of pastoring the Heritage Baptist Church. I told him that. He knows that. And not to cast anything on anyone else, I just felt he was the man. Uh, he was the one who had the burden for it. He was the one who had the vision for it as a businessman. And I really felt he was the man for the job. Can I say this? You are the man for some job. You are the woman for some job. Young adult, you are the person for some job. We better make sure that we are who God wants us to be. You see, God made us with a purpose. Secondly, God made us with a plan. He's got a plan for our life. I've told college students probably for over 35 years that happiness is finding God's will and doing it. I happen to believe that. Happiness is finding God's will and doing it. It's not what you want to do. Jesus Christ said himself, he said, not my will, but thine be done. He knew that he needed to be in the center of God's will for his life. He, being God, knew he wanted to be in the will of his Heavenly Father. What is your purpose for living tonight? I wonder how many here think about Heritage Baptist Church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. A Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Oh, I know you do on Sunday and Wednesday night, maybe on so many times. Was it on your mind? 
Are you thinking about that which is important to God? You say, why do you think the church is important to God? Because it's His church. He purchased it with His own blood. It's a good thing to think about what's important to God. The world is filled with amusement. They're so interested in, right now, the NBA or maybe Major League Baseball. Boy, around Super Bowl time, that's all people could talk about. And the angels up in heaven are going, oh. But I believe Heritage Baptist Church matters to them. Speaking of sports, years ago there was a man, if you're older you'd remember his name. His name was Paul Bear Bryant. He coached in Kentucky, he coached in Texas, but his latter years were at the University of Alabama. He won six national championships, which was an all-time record until Mr. Saban of Alabama recently tied that record. He was known for his houndstooth caps. One time, Bear Bryant told reporters, he said, I'd croak in a month if I quit coaching. I'd croak in a month if I quit coaching. After 25 years at his alma mater, where he'd gone to school, he decided to step down. His final game was on December the 29th, 1982. He coached the album football team for the last time. They were playing in the Liberty Bowl against Illinois. It was an exciting game. Alabama squeaked out a victory. You say, what a way to go out. On January the 26th, less than a month later, he passed away. He no longer had something to live for. Oh, they said it was a heart attack. But I always wonder, was it a broken heart? Do we have a purpose in life? John Gardner, who headed up a corporation called Common Cause, would often ask people one simple question. He said, what have you done that you believe in and are proud of? What have you done that you believe in and are proud of? And he got a lot of different answers, but he wanted them to have an answer. I'm going to tell you this, friends. If you help financially and by prayer support to see that new building come to completion... I believe that you will be part of something great, greater than yourself. I often say in Lancaster, I like to be a part of something that's bigger than me. Gardner understood that. He said, there's no bad answer, but people should realize what they're there for. Let me ask you, Sunday school teacher, do you think about your class? I was thinking about my class today. I wasn't there today. I've already got a report from someone about who's sick and who wasn't there and how many were in class. And uh, it was down a little bit today. It was 85. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm going to write some letters this week. going to make some calls. And I won't see those folks till the Sunday of leadership. But I want to care about them. Again, if you're older, you'd remember the name of Dan Rather. He took the place of Walter Cronkite at Channel 2 CBS News. When I read this illustration, Brother Fogg, it pricked my heart and convicted me greatly. Dan Rather, the anchor there who ended up being an anchor for 37 years, was very consumed with what he was doing. And he had a good way of keeping this professional objective in front of him. And what he did was, he said, I would constantly look at a question. He put this question on his desk. He put this question in his billfold. He put this question on the dresser at home. He put the question in his pocket. And here's what the question was. Very interesting. Is what 
you are doing right now helping the broadcast. And I thought, Brother Fong, if we could ask the question, is what I am doing right now helping the cause of Christ? Is what I am doing right now in my office helping the cause of West Coast Baptist College? Or if you will, the cause of the kingdom. He was doing it for news. Many of you here have never even heard of him. But that was his consuming thought in life. What if we were consumed with, is what I am doing right now helping the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ? I heard a story about a very famous baseball player. His name was Yogi Berra. Long-time catcher for the New York Yankees. Many MVPs, World Series titles. During one World Series game, the New York Yankees were playing against the Milwaukee Braves, later to become the Atlanta Braves. The only time they were in the World Series during this player's entire career, his name was Henry Aaron, the greatest home run hitter of his generation. He was clean, no steroids, a great hitter. Henry Aaron came up to the plate. Yogi Berra was trying to bother him. He said to Henry Aaron, he said, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to have the trademark up where you can read it. Aaron didn't look at him. Aaron didn't respond to him. Well, the next pitch came, and Henry Aaron hit that next pitch into the left field bleachers for a home run. He circled the bases, and when he crossed home plate, he looked at Yogi Bear and said, I didn't come here to read. My friends, the world will try to distract you from what you're here to do. I see, I think we're here to reach in our pocket and take out some gospel tracts and tell people the good news of gospel. So I had breakfast this morning. My wife said, you'll make sure I went to get him a, a tip. And I'd finished exercising and my wife said, make sure to give a track. That's exactly right. And I just said to this Chinese gentleman, I said, this could tell you how you could know for sure you're on your way to heaven. What are we here for? Henry Aaron was there to hit. We are here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses had an identity crisis. He was born Jewish but raised an Egyptian. Raised in Pharaoh's household. But the Bible says this. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 24. I find this so interesting. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Ladies and gentlemen, he turned down the brass ring. He had it made. Uh, this was the winning lottery ticket. How lucky could you be? The prince of the king. He said no. Because... The Bible says, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. You have to refuse some things and you have to choose some things. The word refuse in Greek means to deny, reject, or disown. There's something better and it's going to last eternally. I believe that we ought to have our identity, the Lord Jesus Christ. People should know who we are aligned with. There was a famous artist years ago whose name was Paul Gustav Dore. And Dore was a phenomenal sketcher and artist. He was known for his ink drawings and wood cuttings as well. 
One day he was traveling, he came to a border and he found that he had misplaced his passport. That's a bad feeling. I was go, flying to, going to Mexico and I left my passport at home. Had to send someone for it, met him halfway. I knew I couldn't get there without that passport. But Dory said, people know me. I'm Paul Gustav Dory. And the officer wouldn't allow him to pass. And finally, Dory said, well, why don't you give me a test to prove my identity? The officer gave a piece of paper and a pencil and said, why don't you draw those peasants over there? He began to sketch, and in just a few moments, the man said, obviously, you are Paul Gustav Dory. His life proved it. He was a great artist. Can I say this? People should be able to see in our life that we are Christians. That we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They should see it. Our walk does talk louder than our talk talks. What do they see in us? His identity was affirmed through his work. And our identity as a believer will be affirmed through our work for the Lord Jesus Christ. For indeed, he says to us, he says, work for the night is coming. Night cometh when no man can work. God wants you, my friend, to work. He wants me to work. Are we willing to work for the Lord Jesus Christ? If you are a child of God, you chose to serve him. You know that he saved you to do something. We are not saved through our works, but we work because we are saved. That's what God wants us to do. It's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. We took a big offering a few weeks ago, just about three weeks ago. And it cost you something. But oftentimes, those pricks, those prods are God stirring us to do something bigger and better. Years ago, I read about a man who was walking through town and he looked down in a man's backyard. He saw a bunch of chickens and there walking among the chickens was an eagle. The fence was only about three feet high. He said, what on earth is that eagle doing there? The man said, well, he said, uh, I know it's a king of birds, but he said, one day I found it and I put it with the chickens and I feed it and it acts like chickens. And this man who was a naturalist said, that shouldn't be. This is one of the most amazing creatures that God ever created. He says, it's got the heart of an eagle. He says, we can teach it to fly. And he lifted the eagle toward the sky. He said, stretch forth your wings to fly. And it just sat there. He didn't know what he was. And he saw the chickens down there eating their food. He jumped down and started scrabbling around the dirt again. The naturalist took the bird to the roof of the house and said, Lift up your, your wings and fly, and he held them up, but nothing happened. And finally, he took that eagle up to a high mountain. He took him to the edge of a precipice. He said, you're an eagle. Stretch out your wings and fly. He took that eagle. He lifted him up towards the sun. That eagle began to tremble. and slowly began to stretch out his wings, and he lifted off and began to fly. That's where he was supposed to be. And as a believer, can I say this? Let's not just be scrabbling around in the barnyard what this world has to offer. Isaiah says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what God wants for his people. It may be that the eagles still remember those chickens with nostalgia. I don't know. 
But as far as anyone knows, he never returned to live with those chickens again. That's why God tells us that we are in the world, but not of the world. God wants something more for us, more for you, more for me. Let's not be content with barnyard living, with scrabbling in the dirt. Secondly, let's be responsible for your life choices. Be responsible for your life choices. Don't be somebody else. Don't judge yourself by somebody else. What does God want you to do? What does God want me to do? We're responsible for that. People who accept responsibility, your pastor understands this as a pastor, an administrator, and a former business owner. People who accept responsibility tend to lead effective lives. On the other hand, most people tend to say, that's not my job. No, we are a part of the blood-washed bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, He saved us to serve Him. We need to accept that responsibility. Service is hard work. But He saved us to serve Him. I prayed this spring that I would have a certain amount of people down the aisle to join the church and be baptized. Can I say this? Is there a goal you're shooting for? He who aims at nothing hits it every time. Last Sunday was my last Sunday in Lancaster for a period of months, except for Leadership Sunday. And praise the Lord, I saw a man walk the aisle and join the church that I've been working on. Talked to him at my house. He had lunch at my house on the Saturday before that. And we talked about that. And I want him to take the next step in the Christian life. There's someone that God wants you to help take the next step in the Christian life. To invite to church. To go back and follow up on. Will you refuse? Moses refused. But Moses also chose. When you take something out of your life, put something else in. I don't know what game's on tonight. I didn't check. Because I knew I was going to be in church tonight. We put some things out of our life and we put some things in. God chose Moses as a baby. But friends, Moses had to choose God. He chose him over life of Pharaoh. Your happiness will be determined by your character in life. Your character will be determined by your commitments in life. What will you commit your life to be doing? Number three tonight, be willing to live by values. Be willing to live by values. What is really important? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt. To esteem is to evaluate, consider, to weigh out. Esteem. Think about what's really important. Be willing to live by values. See, people in the world are frantically looking for three things. They're looking for pleasure. They want to feel good. They can do this through immorality. They can do this through drugs. They do this through alcohol. They're looking for pleasure. They're looking for possessions. They say, I want to have a lot. But the Bible tells us to be content. And finally, they're looking for power. They want to be famous, have prestige, have a position of power. Can I define what these three things are to you tonight? It's called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is it we're going to seek for? Oh boy, Moses could have had power. He could have had wealth. He could have had pleasure. 
He could have had it all. But he esteemed something greater. And that was to serve God. What a wonderful thing for us to do and to be aware of. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Who is it and what is it that you serve? There was a song written some years ago that asked this question. What is it that's always on your mind? Very convicting. Very convicting. I really believe I could say about my friend, Pastor Fong, Heritage Baptist Church, and the Lord Jesus Christ is on his mind. Pastor Chapel's that way. Oh, let's just not talk about anything. Five minutes later, you got a piece of paper and a pen? We're back to work. Oh, by the way, Dr. Howells was that way. Dr. Sexton was that way. What's on our mind? You say, well, he is the pastor. You are the church. Baptized body of believers, you are the church. Is the church on your mind? I wonder what would happen with paying down the debt if we prayed about the debt every day. Every day. If we prayed about the building every day. If we prayed about the church every day. What's on our mind? Need to be hated. Can you imagine what they thought of Moses when the firstborn children died? When the waters turned to blood? When the flies filled the land? I don't think they were saying good things about Moses. But God's purpose was more important. He was next in line. He was treated royally. He had wealth and prestige. But he said, I would rather join the slaves and be a part of God's plan than to be with Pharaoh and be out of God's plan. What is God's plan for your life? Secondly, he realized that God's people are more important than pleasure. God's people are more important than pleasure. Oh my, he cared about his people. Moses and Paul, two people who said literally they would go to hell if their people would be saved. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. For rebellious, stiff-necked people, gripers and complainers, he said, God, don't destroy him. Take me instead. He cared for people. We know he had humility. He rejected the world's measure. He rejected the world's pleasure. He rejected the world's treasure. He knew it was important. But thirdly, we see that God's peace is more important than possessions. God's peace is more important than possessions. I could literally spend the next several hours telling you people who had so much of what this world had to offer, but they had no peace. The founder of Eastman Kodak, who took his own life in his 90s. Here's a few people I jotted down who thought they had a lot of things. They thought that, you know, it was all good. H.G. Wells, famous historian, philosopher, said at the age of 61, I have no peace. All life 
is at the end of a tether. The poet Byron said this, he goes, My days are in yellow leaf. The flowers and fruit of life are gone. The worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. Henry David Thoreau, who many still follow today, the author of Walden, said this, Most men live lives of quiet desperation. There was a famous cartoonist in America in the 20th century. His name was Ralph Barton. His cartoons were loved across the country. In literary magazines and things like the New Yorker, he said this, On a note pinned to his pillow before he took his own life, I have had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I have gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I am fed up with inventing devices to fill 24 hours in a day. How sad is that? But we have Jesus, and He has given us a purpose. We could choose to serve Him, to please Him. And then we see this about Moses. He was a man with vision. Be a person with vision. I so appreciate your pastor. And I appreciate it because he's a soul winner and because he's a man of vision. You say, you act like you think he's perfect. I don't know what he does wrong. But I know he's not perfect. But he has a passion and he has a vision. The Bible said, where there's no vision, the people perish. Moses had a vision for the Israelites. It was to get them to Canaan. Uh, he didn't get there, but they did. He had a vision. Could you imagine how that vision must have been tested with the 40 years of the wilderness? But he had a vision. You see, friends, while the world wants us to love things and use people, God wants us to love people and use things. And that's exactly, exactly what Moses did. A person of vision, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. Lord, what would you have me to be concerned with today? Lord, what would you have me to care about today? Lord, what really matters to you today? It was dinner time in this family's house, and it was like so many other times, their young son Jimmy was playing after dinner. His mother finally said, Jimmy, it's time for you to go upstairs to go to bed. And Jimmy went upstairs and went right up as he always did. But an hour or so later, his mother went up to check on him. He wasn't in bed. He was staring out the window at the moon. She said, what are you doing, Jimmy? He said, I'm looking at the moon. She said, well, it's time to go to bed now, Jimmy. As a reluctant boy settled down, he said, Mommy, someday I'm going to walk on the moon. Years later, Jimmy was in a motorcycle accident. He broke dozens of bones in his body. But years later, some 32 years after that day, James Irwin became one of 12 men to ever walk on the surface of the moon. He had a vision. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. Moses had to wait a long time. If you ever wonder about 40 years, that's 14,600 days. It's a long time. But his vision was fulfilled. 
maturity is discovering the difference between no and not yet. Sometimes God will make us wait. I guarantee you, Brother Fong wishes that building was already done. He wants to put that thing to use. I can just hear the excitement of his voice as we walk through the building. But keep pressing on. Can I challenge you tonight to be yourself, who God wants you to be? Who does God want you to be? Can I challenge you tonight to be accountable? Be accountable to your pastor. As I talked to him tonight, I know he's worried about some people who weren't here this morning. He mentioned some folks in a certain department. He said, I didn't see them. I don't know where they were. I saw a lady this morning who was in my Sunday school class who never leaves town without letting her Sunday school teacher know where she's going. What a blessing. She's being accountable. Thirdly, let me challenge you. Be willing to live your life by values. And finally, be sure your vision is God's vision. Be sure your vision is God's vision. Not my vision, but God's vision. I hope that in our lives we'll be able to cut the things out that are not a part of God's vision for our life. Oh, temptations will come. One of the great creative people who ever lived was Walt Disney. He was making his magnum opus, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And he hired one of the greatest cartoonists and illustrators that day and time to work on a scene, listen now, that was four and a half minutes long. It was a scene where the seven dwarfs were making some soup for Snow White. It took this gentleman, Ward Kimball, 240 days to make this one scene. That's an amazing thing. 240 days. They didn't have computers back in that day and time. While Dizzy watched it, he thought it was funny. But then he turned to Ward Kimball, picture in this picture, and he said to him, Ward, it's really funny, but I think it breaks up the flow of the picture. And he cut it out of the film. 240 days. Can I ask you a question? When the film of your life is shown, will it be as good as it should be? Is there something you should cut out even now? So the flow of your life will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll be what Jesus would have it to be. Maybe we should be willing to set aside some things that are good for things that are better. Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. Moses, an amazing man. You see, this chapter in Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame chapter. God wanted people to know about the choices he made. And ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you tonight, God laid these choices out for us in Hebrews chapter 11 as an example for us. So that we too could be the person that God saved us to be. Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this man who you decided to use and to tell us about. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we could follow some of the examples he gave us so that we too could be the person you saved us to be. Lord, I pray that we will be willing to cut out things that don't really matter, that aren't going to help further the cause of the kingdom. I pray that we'll think more about serving, about soul winning, about sacrificing, 
about doing things that will build the kingdom. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I wonder, first of all, is there someone here tonight, anyone here, maybe you're a visitor. I don't know all the folks here tonight. You're a visitor and you say, you know, I'm not positive I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not sure of that. Would you please pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'd like to pray for you. Say, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you tonight? So we would like that here tonight. As I expected here at Heritage on a Sunday night, the great majority of folks I know are saved. I wonder how many here tonight would say, you know what, Dr. R? With God's help, because I can do all things through Christ, with God's help, I'm going to seek to follow the model of Moses and do more of what you'd have me to do, to be what you'd have me to be. So my life would count more in eternity, not just for 60 or 70 years, but when it's all said and done, who's going to be in heaven because of you? What missionaries will have won souls because of your giving? Who will be a stronger Christian because you're teaching, you're discipling? You'd say, with God's help, I'm going to seek to draw a little closer to what God would have me do. Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you tonight? Many, many, many hands raised. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation time. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Fong. But let me encourage you to talk to the Lord about whatever it is He talked to you about. Talk to Him. Talk to Him. Lord, I pray you'll bless through this invitation. I pray you'll work in hearts. I pray that we'll ask ourselves, is what I'm doing right now helping the cause of the kingdom, the cause of Christ, the cause of Heritage Baptist Church, which is your church, Lord? I pray you'll work through this invitation. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. And as the invitation begins... As the singing begins, the altar's open. Why don't you do whatever it is that God would have you to do? Many are coming. Why don't you join them tonight? As many have come, I invite you to come tonight. Two words identify Moses. They preceded everything we read about him tonight. By faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by faith. It takes faith to live for God. Faith is always preceded by obedience. The Bible says about Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed. I wonder tonight, will we obey God 100%? Some very thought-provoking things were said tonight. We have to realize that Moses was at a place like many people here tonight. We're faced with choices. You might think they're hard choices, but really they're holy choices. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. If God be God, choose Him. Whatever struggle we're going through tonight, it's never you're never going to go wrong by choosing God. Never going to go wrong by knowing that God is right. We'll delay for just a moment. Would you come tonight and spend some time in the presence of God? We've been encouraged and refreshed tonight by this message. What a great message, a needy message. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I wonder what things we need to refuse tonight. We need to say no to. You say, Lord, this is not part of the agenda. This is not part of what you want. Not my will be done, but thine, O Lord. Father, thank you tonight for what our ears have heard. 
And tonight we've looked at your word, which is a mirror. We've seen reflection of some things that were probably very tough. Some very truthful things, like we said this morning about the woman of Canaan. When Christ confronted her about who she was as a sinner, she said, Truth, Lord. And Father, we need to identify with truth in all its entirety. And Father, the world may be going away from truth, and the world may believe the lies of Satan, realize today that we must face the truth and accept it tonight. Father, thank you for what we've heard. Thank you for what we've decided. We pray that this message we've heard will last for many years to come in our lives as we seek to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, we've been stimulated and provoked tonight unto good works, and we pray that we'd follow through. We pray that you'd work in the lives of all of our brothers and sisters here tonight and not let Satan sift any one person here tonight as we. We pray this evening for those who are sick, those who are ill, those who are out of town, that, Lord, you give special grace and mercy to them to be back in church Wednesday night back in church Sunday. We pray, Lord, as the tour group goes back on the road, use them greatly in the days to come. We pray for a great stirring. We pray for many students who have sensed the calling of God to go into Bible college for at least a year, maybe even longer, and to serve you through that. So, Lord, tonight we pray you'll be glorified through this. Thank you for these servants who've come tonight, who have ministered us in music and through the Word of God. Would you bless them, use them for your glory. We pray for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Rasmussen, thank you for that message. We greatly needed that tonight, amen? I appreciate that very, very much there. And Dr. Rasmussen, Mrs. Rasmussen, the tour group will be over at the table. A lot of good materials that you can purchase and use. A lot of, in fact, but Dr., you want to say a few things about what you have there on the table? 